Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome back to another exciting episode of Hooked on Hitchcock. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and I'm here with my co-host. G. Larry Butler. G. Larry Butler's in the house, and uh, we have a really fun one. Um, So we do a show on uh, Indie Film Cafe as well called Criterion Watch. We have not done this film, but we did... Uh, another one of the films that we Rebecca we've we've done and we've covered and uh, this is also a Criterion film and um, it is put out it was put out a, a, a little while ago by Criterion and um, I'm very happy about it because there's some really good stuff that's in here um, the, it's got audio commentary featuring film historian Bruce Eder or Eater Crooks Tour, a 1941 feature film, adventure film starring Basil Radford and Naughton Wayne as Charters and Coldicott, their beloved characters from The Lady Vanishes, which they've actually portrayed those characters like three or four times. So, um, well, that was the first time they were ever portrayed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Hitchcock's uh, started them off, and then they, 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 yeah, they did it on TV and radio for years. Yep. Different characters, different people. They became like another Abbott and Costello kind of thing. Um, Except uh, different people played Abbott and Costello. They weren't the same Abbott and Costello each time. So that was kind of unusual. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it said. They changed over time. Oh, okay. So Coldicott and, uh, and uh, what is it? Coldicott and um, Charters were different people? Yeah. Oh, for different okay. reasons. Oh, well, some some were for radio, some were for TV. There was three or four different uh, uh, call the cotton uh, charters. Well, they so, played but, it four times in uh, in movies, so that's good. Right, right. Yeah. But then somebody else carried on from there. Yeah, and, uh, kind of makes sense. Apparently, it was a big hit in Britain. Um, they've got excerpts from the Francis Truffaut's legendary 1962 audio interview with. Director uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock Truffaut. Uh, it's got uh, a video essay called Mystery Train about Hitchcock and the Lady Vanishes by Hitchcock scholar Leonard, Leonard Leff. And still galleries and a wonderful essay. There's a really nice essay here that you can read all about um, the uh, the making of the movie and, you know, sort of like more intellectual intelligent thoughts on the film so mm-hmm. uh i wanted to read this real quick to sort of give background to what this movie is about and you might not have known it but i found this out from wikipedia uh the lady vanishes was originally called the lost lady um and irish director roy william neal was assigned by producer edward black to make it a uh, crew was dispatched to yugoslavia to do background shots but when the Yugoslav police accidentally discovered that they were not well portrayed in the script, they kicked the crew out of the country uh, and Black scrapped the project. A year later, Ooh. Hitchcock could not come up with the property to direct to fulfill his contract with Black, so he accepted when Black offered the Lost Lady to him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Hitchcock worked with the writers to make some changes to tighten up the opening and ending of the story, but otherwise the script did not change much. 
As was the ease, uh, the case with the several of Hitchcock's films, he collaborated with his wife, Alma Reville, on the script, uh, which I believe she got credited as continuity. So, uh, The plot of Hitchcock's films differ considerably from White's novel, and Wheel Spins, the novel, uh, Miss yeah. Roy really is an innocent old lady looking forward to seeing her octogenarian parents. She is abducted because she knows something without realizing its significance that would cause trouble for the uh, local authorities if it came out. Iris's mental confusion is due to sunstroke not to be blown in the head. Uh, in White's novel, the wheel keeps spinning, the train never stops, and there is no final shootout. Additionally, the supporting cast differs somewhat. For instance, in the novel, the Gilbert character is Max Hare, a young British engineer building a dam in the hills who knows the local language. There's also modern languages professor character who acts as Iris's and Max's interpreter who does not appear in the film. The critic, the cricket obsessed characters Charters and Caldecott were created especially for the film and do not appear in the novel. Right. And the plot has clear references to the political situation leading up to the Second World War. The British characters originally uh, trying their hardest to keep out of the conflict end up working together to fight off the jackbooted uh, foreigners while the lawyer who wishes to negotiate with attackers by waving a, flag, a white flag as killed, uh, is shot and killed. Um, so anyway... Uh, there's a few other things. Did you want me to read a couple more things? Yeah, sure. At first, Hitchcock considered Lily Palmer for the female lead, but went instead with Margaret Lockwood. Good choice, too, because I really liked her. Uh, Who's at the time relatively unknown. Lockwood was attracted to the heroines of Ethel Lena White's stories and accepted the roles. Michael Redgrave was also unknown to the cinema audience, but was a rising stage actor at the time. He was reluctant to leave the stage to do the film, but was convinced by John Gilgood to do so. As it happened, the film Redgrave's first act, uh, leading role made him an international star. However, according to Robert Osborne, host of Turner Classic Movies, Redgrave and Hitchcock did not get along. Redgrave wanted more rehearsals while Hitchcock valued spontaneity more. The two never worked together again. Alfred Hitchcock can be seen at Victoria Station, wearing a black coat and smoking a cigarette near the end of the film. The film marks the first appearance of a comedy double act, Charters and Caldecott, played by Naughton Wayne and Basil Radford. The film was shot in Is Islington Studios, Shepherd's Bush, and on location in Hampshire, Ham Hampshire at Longmore Military Camp, the site of the Longmore, Longmore Military Railway. It was filmed to be made under an agreement between Gaumont, British, and MGM, in which Gaumont uh, provided MGM with some of their Gainsborough films for release in the UK, for which MGM would pay half the production costs if MGM decided to release the film in the U US. In the case of The Lady Vanishes, however, 20th Century Fox handled the American release. Uh, filming was briefly interrupted by Electrician's Strike. Um, Elizabeth Weiss contends that Hitchcock used the sound of the Lady Vanishes. A use of sound in Lady Vanishes uses the classical style that is that the director eschews 
expressionistic sounds in favor of sounds heard in realistic context. For example, when Iris faints on the train, rather than extraneous noises to denote delirium, only the sound of the train is heard. Another striking use of the sound is how evil things are often heard before they are shown. The evil Dr. Hartz uh, often is first heard before he appears on screen, representing an oral intrusion, not so much an invasion of privacy and of security. Um, when the lady vanishes open in the UK, it was an immediate hit. Following the most uh, successful British film to the date, it was also successful when it opened in New York. In a contemporary review, the monthly film bulletin described the film as an out-of-ordinary and exciting thriller, praising Hitchcock's direction in the cast, especially Michael Redgrave, Paul Lucas, and Dame May Whitley. Whitty. So, uh, that's all I'll say for that, but... Um, Bravo! Yeah. Yeah, there's well, there's a lot to it. Um, I, as I said, it was it was really nice having these things because there's a that essay video essay thing, and then there's also commentary, and the commentary goes into like every shot. The guy talks about almost every scene, you know, and how like mm -hmm. sort of important almost every scene in this movie really is, and we don't even think about it from the first twenty four minutes where there's no suspense whatsoever in the film. Huh. If you think about know. it, like they don't even go to the train for a while. Yeah, I think for first twenty four, you know, like yeah, most of it takes right. place in the hotel for a little bit, and it's almost like a hotel comedy. Yeah, it did have that pacing. You're right. Um, I like so, that. Anyway, I I have a lot of different things to say that are kind of odd, maybe, but they fit. Number one, Michael Redgrave. Did you notice the similarity between him and Errol Flynn? I thought, oh. Jesus Christ, I'm looking at a double here. He like a looks doppelganger? So Flynn. Not to you. Well, just to me. Okay. Uh, well, no, 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 not to me necessarily because I haven't seen uh, Errol Flynn in forever. So I, I, I like my brain isn't yeah, first thinking anyway, about him. Okay. Yeah, I used to watch a lot about him. Now, now this uh, Miss Froy, I've seen her before. This May Whitty, she's mm -hmm. been in a lot of other movies. Uh, Dame May Whitty, she 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 May got Whitty. the Dame part, you know, in her name for, you know, obviously for uh, good reasons. So I mean, well, she was witty. She's very witty, yeah, and she, she talks a lot, and she's a queer old bird, like he said, but. I, I really liked her. Yeah, I wonder so, how she got the Dame part. You know how uh, she did what? Oh, okay. I she was the part. Yeah, so she was the first actress to be invested as a Dame Commander of the most excellent order of the British Empire in the 1918 King's New Year uh, honors list for service to hospital work during World War One. Mm. So, no. Okay. Well, I like her. She yeah. was great. She was in Gaslight, and uh, she was also in Suspicion, which was, I believe, the first movie we reviewed. So, she was in that movie. Um, I know she had seen her before. Yeah, um, she's, she's got a look. Now, to her. I, I also noticed a similarity between 
the the Doctor Hart's character and one of the crew members on the plane. They could have been brothers. Maybe they were. So they didn't list him. But there was another guy, and they were like face to face. And I looked back and forth. And I, that's the same man. How do they split the screen? But no, I I think it's a different person. But they looked very similar, and mm. there was a lot of odd little oddities throughout the film like that. And I'm like, this is very strange. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, we'll just go into it. But I just thought I'd mention that um, because I I liked it. I wasn't sure I liked it at first because it I it, not that it drug, but it was like. It was a one-note pony, you know. It's like, okay, somebody disappears on a train, so what? I you know. know. How can you make a movie out of that? Uh, my but, mom was watching it with me once, and she fell asleep. Yeah, well, I mean, I would have. I kept falling off a chair. But uh, then I, I watched it a second time, and I, and I, you know, I got some of the jokes and some of the innuendos and there are a lot of little things that he put in there that are pretty cool. Some of the snappy dialogue mm-hmm. from the very first, you know, when they're talking. Uh, well, we probably should talk about the plot first, but yeah, uh, when um, they're talking, the man, it, there was a hotel that they stayed at after the train gets uh, stopped by an avalanche, and uh, the, the the manager was telling these three girls, uh, one of them's Iris, I guess. And the, who is the uh, main character? He says, I, I didn't change anything. And Iris says, not even the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the girls says, I could eat a horse. And she said, don't put ideas in his head. <laughs> so there's, I, I love snappy dialogue like that. There's a lot um, of that. There's a lot of comedy in this movie. Throughout um, the whole movie. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't just a thriller. It wasn't, it wasn't overly serious. No, um, and but it was balanced out. But yeah, but I think we sort of needed that because um, I always think that like the idea of these sort of movies is that like with with a lot of thrillers when they're just too serious, like you look at even James Bond doesn't ha- isn't all serious all the time. You know, no. you know, oh, Sean no. Connery would would make a funny remark. You know, oh, of course. Or whatever. Like, yeah, I know. I, that that was part of the fun. Yeah, it's part <laughs> of the fun. Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise pokes jokes, you know, occasionally. Now he's not like a laugh a minute kind of guy, but he's yeah, at yeah. least you know, he kind of at least talks, you know, or whatever. They so. learn from the best. Yeah. Um. So if you'd like me to go through the plot on Wikipedia and then we could talk about things if we stop if you want to stop me. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So <laughs> after vis- after visiting the fictional country of Bandrica, uh I didn't even know that was the name of the country. Um but all yeah, right. you know what the capital is? Paprika. <laughs> is that a joke or was that true? <laughs> no, I've just made it up. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Bandrika and Paprika. Um, English tourist Iris Anderson is returning home to get married, but an avalanche blocks the railway line. Um, And I remember that because the guy was saying avalanche, avalanche, you know. Yeah, right. right. Um, And then uh, the stranded passengers are forced to spend the night at a hotel. 
And basically, in the, the same predicament are Charles, Charles, uh, Charters and Coldicott, cricket enthusiasts, anxious to see the last days of the test match in Manchester. Now, that cracked me up, but they're on the phone. And the guy's like talking about base. Like apparently, the guy was talking about baseball to him or something. And it was like, I wanted to, you know, he kind of wants to know the cricket score. And the guy's like, I don't know the cricket score. He's like, Well, you can find out. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's really into cricket. Um, so much so that when the lady, the girl says she's not, you know, she's not into cricket, he's like, Well, then what's what's good with you? And he, they like walk away. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. that's their sole focus, their sole purpose in life. Yeah, that. I wonder if that's all they do in every movie is just talk about cricket. And, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I hope then. not. Um, uh, anxious to see the last days of the test match in Manchester and Miss Froy, a governess and music teacher. Miss Froy listens to a folk singer in the street, but he is strangled to death by an unseen murderer. I don't get that. What was did that? Well, I, yeah, I, I need to talk about that because there are three weaknesses in the film. That's one of them. Wow. Not only did I, I ask why, why was he strangled? And also it wasn't very convincingly done. Mm. The guy was making faces and you could see the hands were just loosely attached to the neck. Right. Not really strangling anybody. So mm. I'm like, that wasn't even necessary. Why kill a, that guy? He had nothing to do. Unless, of course, he was part of the spy ring. I don't know. But uh, they no. didn't explain it. Well, okay. So you look at the movie, Miss Froy is looking outside, right? She's staring outside of her um, uh, hotel window, watching him. Maybe him singing was a part of the conspiracy, the code, the code or something. And I, yeah, I'm glad you said that because I wouldn't even have thought of that. Maybe I that that know. song was the song that got to her, and that's why she got so upset. It just wasn't a. It was a beautiful song, but why get so upset? You have somebody evicted over it, you know, because maybe, they're doing but, some. But remember you know, the uh, the what's known uh, for all Hitchcock movies is the MacGuffin, right? The MacGuffin in this movie is at the end. The guy has to memorize that tune and everything. Yeah. Maybe right. she was playing it with his guitar. Was that the same song? I don't know. I, I don't remember because I don't, it I didn't, didn't sound like it, but maybe it I was, don't. maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I was thinking maybe that's what she was he was doing, was he was sending her the, the code and then she was yes. gonna go and use that There's you know. no words to that song. It was all like ah oh, la 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 la. Yeah. He didn't have any words to it, so maybe you're right. Yeah, it maybe I have uh, information to each now other. Now you have to watch it again and see if that, and then and oh, then no. fast forward it to the to the end. We skip to the end okay. where you hear both. So yeah, that, um, I, two, two times you know. Um, sure. That evening, Iris is bothered by a loud noise from the room above hers. It is caused by Gilbert Redman, an entomusicologist. I don't what right. is that? Ethnomusicologists. Well, they go around to different cultures and capture, you know, the uh, the 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 culture. Ah, that's why he was... it disappears. That's you why know, they, he they was do doing... that. And they do that in America too. They go mm -hmm. to different Indian tribes and try to capture the last bit of language 
Wow. Only one person knows it, you know, so they it's not lost forever. They capture their music, their ceremonies. So that's what he does in terms of music. So I'm kind of familiar with that. Okay. But, well, um, he plays the clarinet for local folk dancers. So that was pretty funny. That scene, I, I adored that scene where they're just doing the like the dancing and everything, and then the and then the manager walks says, No, 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 you can't think yeah. of you wait, you keep people awake, no, stop doing this. And he's like, Nope, we're just gonna keep doing this. We don't care about whatever you say, you know. Right. Go away, little man. And he goes and he uh talks to the the girl, you know, and then the girl tries to get him booted out. And then he goes and stays in her room. <laughs> it's like, well, you're going to get me booted out of my room. I'm going to stay in your room. You know? Yeah. He kept saying, uh, you, why it, it was very smart of you to bribe the manager, but now I'm going to sleep with you. Yep. <laughs> so and she, she got very like, upset. And she had to call the manager and bribe him to let, reinstate him in the upstairs room. Yep. But, uh, I didn't like him at first. Did you? No, it's kind of an asshole. Well, I think that's the point because, like, you're supposed to not like him at first, and then the more you watch him, the more he's actually helpful and giving stuff and being nicer. Yeah, he's he's kind of a sarcastic son of a bitch, but still very pompous. And like, I liked him later, but yeah, in the beginning, I really didn't like him. I thought he'd be obnoxious and uh. And, you know, anybody who plays like that late at night does that stuff and has the people with the boot stomping on purpose, you know, um, right. that's just an asshole thing. I'm sorry. Like, you know, yeah. respect the people you're staying with, especially if it's like a crowded hotel, you know, so crowded that uh, both Caldecott and um, Charters had to stay in the maid's room, which... Um, the only thing they had to agree to was that she could come in and, and change every now and then, I guess. But she right. keeps running in. It becomes a gag where she'll run in, change, leave, then well, come I, back in. I really under I, I really enjoyed the uh, the eye play between, <clears throat> I don't know if it was Colicott or the other guy, but one of the duo was uh, making eyes at her, and she was making eyes back, you know, wiggling her eyebrows. And I then think it was called a cop because I think Charters, if I'm correct, was the, okay, like the was the, a bigger guy. Yeah, he had the yeah. scar on his cheek. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So okay, so uh, the other guy uh, started making eyes at her, yep. and she made eyes back, and then she went a little too far, and his expression changed. You know, like to one of fear and disapproval. Did you notice that? You know, <laughs> yes, I was I so impressed. And that's another thing I have to say. I was impressed by all their reactions. They were really exhibiting real emotions. And that's what I try to do in my films. I well, don't I just think, walk through my lines. I you know, think a lot a of lo- people, oh, Go ahead. Yeah, people just say their lines. They wait for their cue and then they say their line and then they wait again. They and their eyes are dead. You got to react to what they're saying, mm-hmm. and that's part of the acting is reacting. But acting these guys is reacting. Broke. Yeah, that's a that's a very famous Meisner quote, I believe. So yeah, everything they did, I was impressed. They were, they sucked me right into it. They were really living it. Mm-hmm. They were uh, what do you call it in the moment? Mm-hmm. 
and, and so uh, I enjoy the heck out of that. Uh, yeah, and uh, and you don't really see a lot of that because nowadays uh, people people don't because because this the, most of these people seem to be from theater, like theater people, you know, and in theater. Um, you don't have any cutaways. You don't have any stops. You know, you have to do everything live, oh. like in front of everybody. So every expression uh -huh. you have, everything you do, is seen by everybody, right? So you right. you have to always be present and always be there. And I think film is sort of one of those um mediums that. Uh, unless you're a really good actor, you know, uh, like Tom Hanks or, or, or Brad Pitt or, or whatever, you know, you, those guys can, can do that. They can deliver that stuff, but most yeah. independent film actors and everything, they're just new. They're green. Um, sometimes even, uh, some of the Hollywood people, they just kind of just say their lines. They kind of just do the motions, but they don't really give the depth. You know what the reason is? They're not giving. They're not. They're they're not giving to other people. I will emote, even though I'm not on camera. If I'm reading with somebody and they they have an extreme close up on them, I'll still give the same performance every time. Mm -hmm. And not many actors will do that. And some yep. of them disappear. Well, you know, I'm going it. to my dressing room, and then the director will have to read with me or whatever. I was like, I did it for you, but you walk off and leave me here? No, to... that's messed up. I... No, I... There's a lot of complete asshole actors out there that'll do that, and I don't care who knows it. Yep. I'm really upset with people. They, they, they're not giving. You yeah, gotta well, give them your support. They don't know. A lot of people don't know that they're supposed to do this, which is sad. They should know that that's, you know, that's a part of being a uh being an actor is is to to give to to and well you you give so you can receive you know like i don't know if it's that or they're just shallow people you know that they, could be the same they, case too they're uncouth they got uh, no coots they had no coots yeah, so. um, all <laughs> right so um let's see the next morning at the railway station Iris is attempting to return Miss Freud's glasses when she is hit on the head by a large planter dropped okay. from above. I, I want to talk about that. I watched that several times. I kept going back and forth. She was never hit in the head. She was hit in the back. And then she goes up holding her head. I'm like, it was clearly on the small of her back. So, I mean, I guess they had to cheat it because they didn't want to hit her in the head. But well, uh, I mean, nowadays they'd have like a fake planter, you know, like a rubber planter or something. Yeah, well, hopefully that. it was fake. I don't know if that was a real planter because that would have hurt her. Yeah. And um, from that far up. Maybe but she really just her. didn't want to get hit in the head with whatever it was, you know. Yeah, they and, kept talking about, well, you hit your head. Well, she didn't hit her head. It <laughs> hit her back. But, but anyway, that's only a uh, few people would know that if you really yep. focus on it. Um, so Miss Froy helps, uh, helps her into the, onto the train. Also on board are Charters and Coldicott, Gilbert, uh, lawyer Eric Todd Hunter and his mistress, who is passing herself as Mrs. Todd Hunter. Uh, Iris faints and then comes to the compartment 
Does she faint? I thought he she told her to go to sleep. Uh, now, now say say that last part again. I didn't catch it. It says Iris faints and then comes to in a compartment with Miss Froy. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yes. So well, that's after she got hit in the head. Uh, yeah, that was after she got hit in the head. So Iris faints and then comes to a compartment. With, and, and technically, if you've got a potential concussion, now that's what they know now. I don't know what they knew back in 1938. But when you know, um, when you get a concussion, you're not supposed to go back to sleep. Because some people say if you go back to sleep after getting a concussion, you may never wake up again. You know, like, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't know that, I guess. They didn't know, know that back then. But and so she fainted. So technically, she could have died, you know, from the faint. Um, yeah. Iris faints and then comes to a compartment with Miss Froy and several strangers. She joins Miss Froy in the dining car for tea. Uh, that tea scene was great, by the way. I absolutely loved it. Uh, where she if she wants the sugars and <laughs> Caldecott and uh well, yeah, and, and charters okay. are playing with the sugar. I I had fun with that too because the way they willed it, they said uh, one million uh, Mexicans drink this product or something like that, and um, so yeah. uh, she uh, she asked for the sugar because they were doing a cricket game with the sugar. Yeah, uh, well, one of the guys was explaining to his partner about how the cricket game was played, said, may I have the sugar? Well, why didn't they just say, how many do you need? And give her a couple pieces. They had to put it all back in a cup and hand it over. And I guess it was funnier that way because they were very annoyed. And yeah. that was kind of funny. I think but, he was uh, just so annoyed by her that he just, you know, was like, here's all the sugar, have it, whatever. You know, yeah, you're, you're right. interrupting you know, my cricket discussion. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, uh, that's like uh, my so, dad. It, my, that's like my dad in racquetball. You know. <laughs> okay. She I was a queer sort of bird. Yeah. She. Uh, okay. So soon after, they return to their compartment where Iris falls asleep. Now she also doesn't just fall asleep. Um, uh, Miss Freud kind of tells her to go to sleep, and she kind of starts. Uh, knitting i guess or something or was she something she's doing something with herself or no she's reading a a book or something reading like some um, a newspaper yeah newspaper thing and um yeah. and then she falls asleep and when she wakes up uh when iris wakes up miss Foy has vanished uh, and the other apartments uh, the other passengers in the compartment and some of the train staff deny having seen her so when she wakes oh, up, right, right. You were talking about the uh, cafe car with the sugar. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't she do something else? Because um, Iris kept getting Miss Troy's name wrong, and she yes. said, "Look, I'm going to write it on the window." So she, you know, she blew her breath on the window to fog it, and then she wrote F R O W or F R O Y. So that comes into play later in the film, mm -hmm. and I thought that was interesting. Why did they do that? So I mean, I didn't understand the significance of it. But doesn't later they use they see that later well, or something? See they see wasn't she there? Yeah, it proves that she did exist. Right. So they weren't making that up. But she anybody, anybody could have seen. It could have put that there. 
you know, like she could have put that there and said, see, she was here, you know, because there's that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they didn't have any video of her your surveillance, no. you know, nowadays on a um train, I bet there's surveillance, you know, cameras all over the place. So oh, every no car, way. Right? Yeah, yeah, I bet you there's no way this could ever actually happen to today's right. society. Um, you can remake this for today. You could remake it for um, you'd have to figure out ways around everything, or you'd have to make it where uh, the chick is legitimately crazy and thought she saw somebody, and there was never anybody there. Well, um, she did doubt herself yeah. at some point that she even knew she existed. Yeah. Because everybody denied her, but I didn't understand that either. Why do you keep denying this? And then they all had their secret reasons. Well, you know, we all find out throughout the thing, like, um, because I, this is what I like about it, because we do find out fairly early on that this was all a conspiracy, right? When that one lady comes up uh, to the other guy, I think, I guess the mistress and the whatever, you know, I don't know. But the guy, the girl's like, you, you lied and said these things and you know, all this stuff. We need to make sure we, we, you know, we, we keep our lies or whatever. And then later she joins, she says, I think, uh, you know, I did see Miss Roy, you know, so apparently. You're talking about the Todd masters. Yes. The Todd hunters, the Todd. Hunters. Well, let's, let's explain to the audience who these people are. He's a, he's an attorney that wants to be a judge. He takes his girlfriend uh, and they're both married, by mistress, the way, on, on this trip, a long trip to uh, Europe and probably Croatia, somewhere like that. And they're coming back through Yugoslavia. And they, he says, uh, uh, she keeps pressuring him. When are you going to marry me? And he says, well, I don't think it's a good time right now because I'm trying to be a judge. And any impropriety would, you know, block me from being one. And also, uh, oh, he doesn't say this right away, but. He knows his wife will never divorce him. He's just using this woman. And uh, so that's what they argue about later. And, and then so he says, I had to pretend that I didn't see this woman because I don't want to be dragged into a scandal, have it investigated. And then it'll be all the newspapers and radio uh, who the witnesses are. And then your husband and my wife will go, wait a minute. You know, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So it sounded reasonable. She bought it for a while. And finally, she realized he's just playing me because his, her husband uh, would would divorce her, but his wife would never divorce him. So she'd lose her safety net. She'd be like homeless. She wouldn't have any money. She wouldn't have anything. And so she thought, fuck this. I'm going to confess that, that I did see her. But then, then Hitchcock threw another monkey wrench at them. Right, and then they right. substitute. But we'll get to that. We'll get that. We'll get that. Yeah, but, that's, that's too far. Ahead. But, but really, I was only bringing her up because everybody else was saying that they didn't see her until that one lady did. Right. So everybody yeah, she else finally was got saying, sick of the lie. Yeah, and she had nothing to lose. She thought, "I'm going to force his hand." And then you know the two. Uh, I God, I can't remember their names. Caldecott and whatever his name is. Uh, those guys. They could just keep calling C and C. C 
CNC. Uh, they uh, they uh, they wanted to get to a cricket match the last day, so they got started late because uh, of some strange reason. And yeah, I- uh, yeah, I, I I actually know what happened, but. Let me finish my point. Uh, they they started late, and so it, they would only make the last train by 10 minutes. So they couldn't afford to stop the train and investigate all this stuff. So they had to lie. Mm-hmm. And then the other people were all part of the conspiracy. So, of course, they had to lie. You know, just all of them. They're all intricately involved. And I thought, my God, how many people are there in this conspiracy to try to kill this poor woman? You know, that's a spy and, you know, and, and keep it, keep her from informing uh, England that, you know, uh, Hitler's on the march. You know, it was thinly veiled. They didn't want to talk about Hitler, the Nazis, but it was in reference to all of them back in 1938. They were mm-hmm. on the rise and they were threatening England. And uh, what's his name? Uh, the ambassador at the time wanted to uh, go easy on him. He didn't want to play hardball. So uh, this was kind of a slam to him. I can't remember his name right now. I've got it in my notes somewhere. It's but, funny uh, how Hitchcock does that, where he puts like political, you know, stuff into oh, yeah. his Very movies, political. but um, but also tells a fascinating story instead of just it being just all a political. Th- and it doesn't take any sides, right? Like, uh, yeah. obviously, the bad guys are the bad guys and the good guys are the good guys. But it doesn't take sides saying, OK, these people are wrong because they do. Th-. Like, it's not like today and in, in today's world, everything is so um, beat over your head with their agendas. Right. You know, if they want to talk about World War Three happening or something, you know, if we were getting wind on that, they would say, Okay, you know, these people are bad and fuck these people and these people are these this this kind of stuff is this. You know what I mean? And it's just it's so it, it it's not subtle and it's not um you know, it, it's not intelligent anymore. This is subtle and intelligent when they talk about this stuff because even you just describing this stuff and everything, I didn't even think about Hitler, but that's exactly what they're talking about. It's oh, yeah, not yeah. That. It's it's not you right. know but but if we're today and they tried to make it they would say oh Hitler's a devil and and they would have it be Hitler shooting at them or something because that is what what is wrong with Hollywood today is they they're afraid that people won't understand what they're you know what they're doing so they make sure that everything is so laid out and that's the problem you know I feel like more movies and stuff should be, you know, thin, uh, thinly veiled, you know, just like this yeah. movie. Right. Yeah. Good point. So anyway, okay. yeah. Um, so let me try to go on more with this uh, story. So um, Todd Hunter pretends not to remember her to avoid drawing attention. That's what she said to his liaison with his mistress. Uh, Iris searches for Miss Freud with Gilbert's assistance. Now, I I actually love that line where she's like, uh, or he says, you, do you need any help? He was like, for you to go away, you know, <laughs> right? With you to go away. And then he's like, uh, no, I've always. When they first meet on the train, 
Yeah. And she says, I got hit on the head. And he says, infancy? That was great. I thought, yeah. like, she got dropped on her head as a child and made her crazy. <laughs> so he had a lot of zingers, you know. Uh, he did. It he... reminded me of Mark, uh, I mean, what's his name? Cary Grant or uh, Clark Gable, you know, they when when they're talking to somebody and they, they, they have a lot of zingers. Yeah, they have a lot of really like quick one liners or whatever. Yeah. You know, I like, I like that. that. Yeah, I like that too. And I like so, uh, I like his character. I think his character is funny, but he does agree to help her, you know, and everything and, and stuff because oh, he's basically the only one who will believe her. Yeah, you know, even the waiter denies ever seeing Mrs. Foy. Was she and uh, was he in on it? Was he in on the conspiracy? Well, he was in on it. Yeah, because I I saw it when I saw it the second time, I noticed that yeah he was one of them. In fact, there were two of them. Even the engineers on the train were in on it. Yeah, so they cause... didn't want to start the train. Uh, well, we'll get to that. But uh, everybody was uh, lying for different reasons. But uh, but there was a lot of people in on the conspiracy to kill that poor old lady and stop her from getting to England, warning England. So, exactly. Anyway, um, they didn't want to warn. Well, yeah, didn't want warning. So, so she's missing. Um, at one point, I remember the uh, you know, Gilbert uh wants them to like because they're about to stop. You know, go in the, the when they're about to stop at the uh the next at the next stop or whatever. So she says, "Look out that side. I'll look out this side, and we'll see if uh we see Mrs. Froy." You know. And uh, so he agrees to that, and that's that's when, um, I think that's when, uh, what's her name, the the lady, uh, that's when Miss Miss Todd Hunter, the the mistress, uh, talks to her husband and says, uh, or 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 boyfriend and says, hey, uh, you know all that stuff, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm she gets she gets fed she gets fed up with the discussion with them, and after. You know, she they don't see the um, you know, they don't see uh, Miss Roy get on. Oh, by the way, we forgot to mention the doctor, we did forget to mention the doctor, and the doctor uh claims that, that she's basically got a head injury and that she's not you know that well, and that maybe she's just making all of this up because this is yeah, right, brain injury. it's delusional, yeah. And, he said, uh, he, I, I wrote it down here. Dr. Hartz is a psychiatrist. He pretends to be anyway. And he did a psychoanalysis on her condition. He said, you have a delusion induced by cranial contusion or something like that. Uh, can't read my own writing. But uh, I thought, well, that's a great way of expressing. You know, he had her believe that she was half crazy because of a blow on her head. Was that and, blowing uh, that was meant for her? It was meant for the other girl, right? It was meant for the Miss Froy, right? Yeah, well, she went over. We didn't explain why she went over to her. She didn't really talk to this woman before. And uh, she was going to the train with her girlfriends, and she almost stepped on her glasses. Mrs. Miss Foy dropped her glasses, so she taken them over to her, and Miss Foy was bent over, and uh, so Iris got hit instead of Miss Foy. It was aimed at Miss Foy. So, yep. so they wanted to kill her from the very onset, you know. Um, 
So, well, yeah, I guess would that have killed her? That it could have. Oh, yeah. I I don't know why it, it didn't, you know, kill you know, the other one. They killed the uh, they killed the the random folk singer. Why didn't they just kill the fucking lady? <laughs> um, yeah. they should have. Well, they I, tried. I mean, tried. in a real in a in a real situation, she probably wouldn't yeah. have been safe in that room, and she would have probably, like they, you know, I don't know, like she, I, she probably would have been murdered in the room or whatever. Um, but she was not. Uh, she she survived and. Then, yeah, I I'm so glad you found the key to the puzzle, because I kept wondering why in the hell would they kill a poor innocent guy who sings a song, you know, yeah. and that's the reason he well, was passing on information. Maybe. And the other thing is, uh, why why didn't they just kill her while she was inside as that one uh? when they wrapped her up in the in the stuff my husband should have killed her like if, if they really had no that that's another you know weakness of, probably. yeah that was it would have been the end of the story yeah it would have been the end of the story but like, like literally no that's a problem you know nowadays yeah they add complexity just to add more spice to the soup you know so that's, i think that's why they did it to yeah, lengthen the movie I don't like you know, that because now that I'm like thinking about it. it. I know, but I don't like, know, but, but I thought if they if they had killed her, they wouldn't need to switch, you know, the other woman for. Her. That right. was a great part too. Well no no no. Where, they still but see if they killed her, right, the lady, uh the spy, right? Um if they had killed her in the uh, and then wrapped her body up in that stuff. They could have just pretended like she, that lady, was asleep and that wasn't her. You know that whatever, right? Because but that was, you wouldn't have had the ending the way it did. It, right. it ended differently because of that, right? So I thought so, that was the best part in the movie. It was, but I'm just saying, like in real in real life, nobody's going to keep that woman alive. And then just send her off to like some medical things to for them yeah, ambulance I mean, and stuff for her them to murder why, her why, somewhere why, else. Why bother? I mean, I guess yeah. the idea is if uh if she's alive until they bring her to the ambulance and stuff, they can uh if she got free somehow, you know, somebody found her, you know. Yeah. They could, they, you know, they could be like, oh boy, it's oh, I did not know that was Miss Freud. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. This was the, this is a wrong situation. But like, yeah, we tied up the wrong woman. Yeah, we tied up the wrong woman. Oops, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they if they had just killed her, and then kept her like, you know, tied up in that thing, I don't even think anybody would have. You know, their their problem was that the girl saw her, met her, and knew her, and was very spot on exactly of what she was wearing. Knew. Oh, I know. I can't even do that, by the way. Like, yeah, I, I well, look at I you do. right now. I I don't notice that stuff. You know, 
Paul is better at like descriptions and and remembering what like he'll remember what's in behind uh you know on a desk in the back of a movie or something. I don't even pay attention to that shit. So like yeah, I, I and I don't pay attention to what people are wearing unless it's like goofy or something or very specific to the plot of the movie. Oh, you know? I know. My wife's always complaining. Why are you wearing those shoes? I said, nobody's going to look at my shoes. I never look at anybody's shoes. Why would I do that? I don't give a shit what people wear. Uh, but, but they did. They did care about the shoes because the nun was wearing high heels. Well, yeah, but women uh, notice stuff like that. Right. Or and notice stuff like that. I don't. I but never. See, I mean, that would stand out to me, I guess. Nah, but, not me. I never know. even would have thought about that. But <laughs> the uh, but the lady does notice whatever the the main girl Iris notices the nun with the the um with the high heels, right? And the man yeah, doesn't is... d doesn't notice until she points it out to him, Gilbert. And then later, the doctor. She says she says that stuff to the doctor, and he's like, "Oh, really? Oh, that's that's odd. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, and then a, later he yells at her about like, "Why are you wearing high heels as a nun?" It's a stupid thing to do. I know. That's a dead, dead giveaway. Well, that I mean, and that was that was part of the plot. So that was brought in for the plot. I don't know if that's in the. I don't. I'm pretty sure that's not in the book. Um, I kind of want to buy the book at some point and just read that and see what difference really big difference there is. But uh, I don't think it's in the book because uh, I, I feel like that's a, uh, a, a film tactic or for them to have a clue, you know, yeah. but okay. Yeah. You know, Oh, the nun is wearing high heels. That must mean that might not be that nun might actually not be a real nun, which might mean that that, um, the, the person wrapped up is actually Miss Froy and not because like they were like, what if and, and it's actually what happens. But what if you what if uh, at the stop they brought on the new person, switch it, switch bodies, you know, and put the uh, uh, the, the the lady who and then they can bring her and her in, and put her in the tweed and other stuff so that it looks like she just got the wrong person. You know, that you know, and everybody else can be like, Yeah, that looks like the person I saw. No, it's not like anything like the person you saw. The miss you know, I, I'm surprised they didn't have a big woman, you know, like to to play, you know, to, to be the decoy, you know, but they didn't. No. Did they take a body off the train or just one on the train? On the train. So they just yeah, took they, the yeah, um they just took uh the the deep no lady. They they did take one off, but that was later. Um, they oh, that was the later, one, yeah. The, the, the one they brought on was the new woman. They switched, right, to make her think that she's imagining things, and she substituted uh, the, the decoy, as I call it. Yeah, that's what the doctor said. You know, because of the blow on your head, you substituted, you know, one face for another, and yeah. that's not her. And and then later, when they you know got her alone and switched bodies, found the real Mrs. Fulfroy, and then they put her in the stretcher, and that's when they carried her off, right? Yeah. And he he discovers a switch. Yeah. So he knew that the lady was there, you know. So she, so he goes and talks. 
that's and it's further down, but I guess we can talk about that. But he goes and talks to the police. I don't know what he was talking to him about. That was odd. You know, that that yeah. didn't become a thing later, you know, right? Right. Maybe unless he was telling them the directions of what to do with or what to, to watch that that friend of theirs that went on the went into the ambulance. I don't know. But uh the the decoy lady, the lady that uh did not look like Miss Froy at all, but was supposed to be Miss Froy. No, not not in the least. She was like twenty years younger. Yeah. And she wasn't frumpy like like Miss Froy. She wasn't That's a big frumpy, lady. Yeah. yeah, so it was really right. weird. I'm like, that looks nothing like so, her. Like uh Anyway, she she goes berserk and runs to the car and pulls the cord, right, and stops the train. And uh, so that's when all hell breaks loose. Um, so, um, oh, and even before that, the cook throws the old food out the window and Harriman's tea label sticks to the glass. And she notices that. Remember that? Oh, that's yeah. He gave to the waiter and says, I always use this tea. I want you to use my tea, not yours. The Mexican so one. You remember the label. So then Gilbert believes her. Up until that time, Gilbert didn't believe Iris at all. He was just kind of going along with it, and he thought, she's full of shit. She's mm -hmm. a crazy woman. And uh, But he finally starts to believe her. So then they go back to the rear of the train and see a big basket wiggling in the mm -hmm. cargo car. You know, and they open it, and it's a calf, a yep. young calf. It's not Mrs. Froy at all. And then they said, she's bewitched. Yeah. <laughs> and they got a joke. They got to laugh about it. It's a whatever. magician. It's a magician's prop car. Mm -hmm. This guy, one of the guys in the first car, the Italian guy, was a musician or something. Magician. Magician, magician yeah. Uh, and then he has a thing called the vanishing lady just like the title of the movie and uh so it's a lot of fun you know seeing how they do some of their tricks because uh they they knock this guy out in a big scuffle and they put him in a box and they look later and he's gone well there's a trap door on the other side of it so yep. he gets away but then how do we that's the only thing I, I really didn't like because how did he get away uh, from them with the trap door. That means there must be a trap door inside the train too. You know, they, right? They, they hit, maybe they hid her somewhere. No, uh, no, no. Because he opens. So they open up the thing because they they're like, "Do you have the uh what what was it that he found? Like they found something, uh, and then the 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 man takes it. There's that there's that great like sort of scene where you see the hand coming down, you know, right? And us the audience are watching as the man is trying to grab the grab the object from them or whatever that proves Miss Roy was there or whatever. It was like a uh oh, I missed that. I, I the second time I missed it because I had to get up for a minute. And but then... anyway, anyway, they have something. So they're like, do you have it? And he was like, um, I thought you had it. And they're like, oh no, he still has it. So they open up the the uh the compartment and he's gone and they're like where did he go and he was like oh it's a it's a trap you know it's a magician's trap door thing um and I was like that doesn't make any sense because that would mean that the the other 
uh, wall or whatever that was right next to where they were has a trap door or something, you know, like he can just, he can just sneak out like that. That's just impossible. So I, I didn't buy it. I, I didn't like that because I yeah, thought I'm that was just sure a, a cheap way to get him away from them, you know, and yeah. everything. And I just, I didn't like that part. Okay, exactly. well, that's, that's another weakness. In There's the a plot. few weaknesses in the plot because really this plot was from uh, trying to get to A to B to Z, right? So it was it was just okay. trying to get you through the. It's like a big right. train ride, and you just gotta right. kind of the all the the what is it? Uh, it's like a big train ride, and all of the plot holes and weaknesses are uh, bumps in the road. Yeah, in the train. a couple. Yeah, but it's not nothing major. It's not that I, rocky. It's not that rocky of a trip, but it's. It's got a couple, couple rocks. Yeah, a couple know? things. To, um, see what else? So then, then they come back, and after that guy disappears, and doesn't he walk by them later and kind of smile at them? Uh -huh. well, they went to the car. Oh, I know what had happened. They go back to the doctor, and like fools, they they tell him everything is happening, right? And he's because the enemy. They trust, but, they, but they don't know he's the enemy. They, they don't know him. They trust him. They think him, he's so just some kind of doctor. They're, spill, they're spilling their guts to him, and he's the enemy. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, Jesus Christ. But they're very naive and trusting. And then and then uh, when they're in a dining car, they uh, they put he puts some, uh, not poison, but some kind of drug in their drinks. And he's trying to explain to them why... Some of their their theories are all wet, and and then he later on confesses to them. But uh, when they go back to the dining, uh, their own private car, and uh, yeah, uh, because he knows they're gonna they're about to they're supposed to pass out, you know, and stuff well, from he the drugs. They are, so he confesses. You know, he has confidence in in his pl his plot that that they're they're going to be incapacitated. And they're not going to be able to stop him. We so also, he for, for real he quick, everything. yeah, he does blab everything. But real quick, we forgot to mention because he talked to the the nun, and he explained to her like he was mad at her. Uh, I think because of the high heels, but he was mad right. at her about the stuff, and then basically tells them tells her he wants them to, you know, uh, I, well later we find out he he she was supposed to drug them. But she didn't give them the real the drugs and, and the right. the whatever. Anyway, oh, go, oh, go. right um, now he and he that's right. I'm, I jumped the gun. He uh, they're in the compartment with the nun, and uh, they tell her we notice you have white heels. You're not a real nun. And she says you're right. I'm just helping them with this, you know, capture this person, and then they un, un, undo the the, the, the bandages. And it's uh, Mrs. Foy, right? Yep. Mrs. Foy. And so they, uh, what do they do then? And then the doctor comes in and interrupts them. So they're like caught, like, whoops. And then he takes them to the dining core, orders drinks, and he has the nun put the powder in the drinks, mm -hmm. but she decides not to. And so they're safe. They don't know that they are. And so he takes them back to the compartment and he's explaining everything he did. He says, I, I put the powder in your drink, so you're going to pass out at any time. And suddenly, Iris goes out, 
And then Gilbert goes out and they're faking it. Right. Well, no, she actually faints because she oh, actually, well. and I think she fainted because she really believed what he was saying. And it just made her like, you know, like freak out and faint then because he Gilbert says, you know, Gilbert goes with it, you know, and, and fakes it, you know. And when the guy leaves, when the doctor leaves and shuts the door, Gilbert just wakes up and then, you know, right. wakes her up and says, I think you just fainted, but uh, we weren't. Okay, then she really we did. Fine. Okay. We need to I figure out sure what's going on. Yeah. It was pretty well done. Um, so then they decide to uh, Escape. go over and uh, he climbs out the window, right? Is that the next yep. thing? He climbs to, out to the, the window into the other compartment where the nun is. That was pretty exciting. And then the other train comes and just misses them by inches. I know. And that, was, that was a pretty cool scene. I don't know how they did that because that was really That'd cool. A split like, screen or something. Gotta be uh, because like that, I don't think they'd really put, like they'd really would have put a real actor because you could oh, tell no. it, was, it was him. I don't think so. It wasn't a uh, stunt double or anything, you know? Yeah. There it is, substitution. Um, and then he okay, climbs in so the window. He climbs in the window, and then, and then he's. Oh, that's when he. Uh, wait a minute, I got my notes mixed up. But anyway, so um, the nun confesses she didn't put the drug in the drinks. The patient is Miss Froy. The and then the substitute walks in. Remember, yep. substitute Mrs. Froy. And they subdue her and wrap her up. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then the doctor discovers switch at the station when they stop. And so, uh, that's when the Nazi officer boards a train. I maybe I'm getting too far ahead, but well, um, no, because I think he notices that before uh, they get in. So he he goes back and he he goes into their their car car a compartment because they see like him coming you know the doctor so they pretend to be fainted right even though they've got the they've got that's the, right. uh that's right yeah they hurry to the compartment and go in there and slump over yeah and then he goes in and he says you know whatever uh or whatever he goes he looks at the doctor looks in and sees them and he's like all right they're still passed out i'm gonna go back and get miss roy and take her you know to the stop so when he goes there, he notices something, I guess, or whatever, and, and unhooks and sees it's not Miss well, Roy. Not, not, not until he gets outside at the station. Remember? He, no, he actually leaves the train on the with a woman on a gurney. Okay. And then he notices later, he says, before the train pulls out, the nun's just starting to exit. He goes, get back on the train. You know, and, and so they go back in. He says, we've been we've been fooled. So yep. that's when they they keep going. And then they. Uh, yeah, that's, they, you're right, because he comes up and he unwraps her because he's like, uh, you know, well, Miss Freud, you're, you know, you're blah, 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 blah. And unwraps her head and notices it's the, the oh, other lady. The oh, Yeah, he says, I'm sorry you've been so uncomfortable. It's like yeah. he really cares. He's going to kill her. No, he and he care. says, I'm sorry you've been so uncomfortable for this trip, but is you're not Miss Foy. And so then he goes back in and tells the nun to get back on there. And uh, the government will hush all this up later. Don't worry about it. 
and yeah. uh, and then meanwhile, somewhere in there, this magician that escaped walks by and smiles at him, kind of this cheesy grin, like, I'm here. You didn't get me. And uh, yeah, I guess they're in the dining car. But um, anyway, so then now do they travel more or does a Nazi officer get on the train and try to pretend like he's her friend? I can't remember. If no, 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 that, that comes later. So what happens Not is later. right before they start the train up again, before the train starts. So they think they're in the clear. They think because they see the ambulance go away. And they yeah. think that they're fine, that everything's good, right? But uh, the um, so they let Miss Froy out. Remember, she was like, "Oh my god, this is the most uncomfortable I've ever been on a on a train," you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and, she's in a closet. Yeah, she's they in a closet. They have to hit her in a closet, and then they bring her out. And so they're all they all think they're good now, right? And then uh, so then they start noticing that the uh train uh that's going or whatever is not stopping and it's going in a different way and um she starts to kind of point this stuff out because they also see that the um the one car uh you know so they open up the back and all of a sudden the the back of the car is the 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 train there's only one part so their their part of the train is going somewhere different than the other part, you know, that's left or something, you know, or whatever. Cause mm -hmm. they say like later, the guy's like, I hope, I hope not because my stuff is in that other car, you know? And they're like, I'll show you. So he goes to show them that they're, they're missing some of the, the train or whatever for, I don't know how they pulled that off, but they pulled that off as well as they're going in his opposite direction. They're not going to England. Like, you know their original oh. plan, so they okay. switched. They switched it on them. So now they're going a different direction, which oh, is why they end up. That's uh, why they end up in tracks. the. Yeah. yeah, that's why they end up in the woods, that's you know, or whatever with that other, uh, with that other okay. country's people yeah. telling them, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, the uh the, the military officer comes on. Okay. After that, because they stop. They stop in the middle of the woods and like something's wrong here, you know, and they, the military guy comes on and he talks to them and says what, you know, basically uh, we've, you know, uh, we've got another car for you guys uh, right. to get you guys to safety. Sorry, things, you know, kind of went off the rails, you know, or whatever. Right. And uh, the nun who's speaking a different language. I think it was the nun uh, who's speaking a different language says, you know, I don't, you know, right. I explained something to the, uh, to, to Gilbert and Gilbert's like, um, okay, like, uh, can you explain to us this thing? And he distracts him for a second, then hits him over the head with the chair. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I need to talk about this for a second. The guy, well, he's thinly veiled Nazi. Uh, yeah. He borders the train and tells the passengers, we will take you to Monkston by car. I speak English well because I went to Oxford. And uh, and then then uh, one of the duo, the Calicat or whatever his name was, he said, what year? 
It's like, oh my God, are you that shallow? You're at this is your enemy, and you're asking them, what year did you go to Oxford? They're trying to bond with the enemy. Oh my God. And then uh and then Gilbert hits him over the hair, uh, hits him over the head with a chair. Mm-hmm. And then uh, somebody said, what the hell did you do that for? And he said, I was at Cambridge. And I thought, oh, my God, in the midst of this drama, there's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Because, he's, you know, Cambridge and Oxford are kind of enemies in, in, in scholastically. So I thought I, I oh, think I know. I thought I thought he got he got told by the other lady. On no, the- he spoke English. Uh, she may have said something to Gilbert to make something. him do that. Yeah. yeah, like he's well, she said it, and he spoke many languages. Remember, yeah. uh, Gilbert was a surprise. He could speak almost any language. Yeah, uh, basically. And, and so he ends up, yeah, he ends up hitting him over the head and uh, taking his gun, and uh, they end up uh, having a shootout, which I was like, yeah, but, that's kind of was, neat. Yeah, he told them first that was a trick to get us off the train because they were going to kill us. And that's when they all became concerned, like, oh, shit, we can't go with these guys. Mm-mm. You know, especially now you hit the guy over the head. Um, and then uh, the Mr. Todd Master or whatever the hell his name was, Todd Hunter. The, he the was, wannabe uh, judge. He was a kind of an asshole because he was the one that didn't want to fight Let's surrender, you know. But he had a gun. He had a gun. I'm like, why do you have a gun? Yeah, he didn't want to use it. And his wife kept saying, his pretend wife kept saying, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. And she was pulling at it. And then the other guy got it. I guess he was a crack shot, one one, called a cot or whatever. And he started shooting out the window and and actually hitting people, killing them. And uh, so it was kind of a standoff. Yep, it was a shootout. They ran out of bullets, and then Gilbert had the wise idea of going up front and starting to train. And they said, well, you don't have any bullets. He says, well, they don't know that. (laughs) So he faked his way. They started it up, and then they got killed, both of them. Yep, both of them got killed. and then Gilbert and Caldecott. Had um, to figure out how to start the train, how to to run the train. They already had started it. They didn't know how to stop it. Right. The problem. So it kind of reminded me of Runaway Train, you know, with Eric Robinson, Eric, uh, Eric you know, Roberts, yeah, Eric Roberts, Roberts, yeah. So it kind of was the same thing. Hey, you've worked uh, with Eric Roberts. I have, yes, he's a delightful fellow. <laughs> he, uh, I, I've worked with Eric Roberts. We both worked with Eric Roberts. Oh, what did you do with him? <clears throat> uh, a movie called Collision Earth for the Asylum. I got oh to have God. a I got to have a scene where I just tell him like the coordinates are this blah 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 blah, and then he was like, uh, you know, uh, it was like thank you. you know, he, he says one thing to me, and then I like leave. Here I say oh, one more great. thing, and I leave. I was supposed That's to have cool. more lines, but and more scenes together with him, I think. But uh, I, it was a last, last, last minute like substitution for me to be in it, like. The um, the producer of it, uh, was the co co producer of it, um, or uh, no, he's the line producer. I'm getting that wrong. The line producer, line producer messages me, and says, "Hey, at like seven o'clock in the morning on my birthday of all days, you know, January twelfth, and two thousand twenty, 
and is like, hey, uh, would you like to be in a, a, the new Asylum movie at, you know, uh, the we start at 10 o'clock today. And I was like, yes, that sounds like the best birthday present ever. And he said also I was going to be a PA. Well, I didn't end up being a PA. And I never got credit for being a PA because I was on set like as the, in the background for the whole fucking day. Like there was, there was really the only PAing I ever did was like random cleanup or something, you know, or whatever, okay. you know. But um, it was great. It was it was an extraordinary thing. Yeah. But um, I could not memorize like all the the you know you you know how it is with memorizing, but like memorizing all of that like uh technical jargon for military. Like yeah. and, and like I, I love when people can do that because that's a really good awesome actor. I am not an actor, like I'm a director. So <laughs> like I like writing good directing. I don't mm -hmm. I like acting when I put myself in my stuff or I'm I'm doing a small part for a friend. I don't like to do it like as a big thing, you know. So right, uh right, the writer right. ended up picking all my lines and it was fine with me. I was like, you know. Um, I I was happy to be in the background most of the time. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And, and Eric was super nice to me, you know. So Eric's sober. <laughs> yeah. Good. Right. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um. All right. So, where are we? Uh. So apparently they had the they're having the shootout. Then they and then they started the the train. And got it going, but they couldn't figure out how to stop it. And then they get to, I guess, where they're supposed to. Oh, oh, we forgot to mention Miss Froy uh, leaves out the out the back, and they thought that she might have been killed. And before then, she told Gilbert the code. So we forgot to mention that she actually told Gilbert the code that he has to get back to the British, uh, whatever the consulate. Right, right. And it yeah, was a yeah. song. It was a uh notes from a song and he had to remember remember them. So he kept seeing saying it to himself. And we forgot to mention that because he says it to himself when he's on the train, like driving the train and everything. And the guy there, uh Caldecott or whatever, is like talking to him and he says, you know, um, starts asking him stuff and he's like i please don't talk to me when i'm trying to memorize this oh no he does the honk honk you know the the train thing you know and noise and he's like don't do that when i'm trying to memorize this you know like throw me off from this i like that 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 was kind of cute you know yeah yeah well he uh, had a, a, another problem when they actually got to the station but that was later well let's talk about her uh that was a very interesting moment where uh, she they find out she really was a spy. She says, "Well, that's a grim word." She yeah. she preferred you know something else. I don't you know. know but, but like, yeah, but I don't, time, you know, she was a governess, but probably worked for a rich Nazi who was uh, taking care of the kids. So governess is a perfect spy occupation. Mm -hmm. You know, you could do both, and. Oh. Uh, and that's so, another thing that I think might be a weakness to the movie is that none of that's really explored enough, you know? Like, we don't get enough information or backstory on Miss Froy, and I'm kind of bummed about that, because I really liked her as a character, and I, I kind of feel like 
she was a MacGuffin in this movie. Like, um, uh, she was sort of like this just side character who it's the fucking movie is called The Lady Vanishes. It's about her. Yeah. And yet she's sort of kind of treated like she's part of the train, you know, or whatever. She doesn't have a, you know, I, I feel like she should have gotten a, her character explored a little bit more, you know. Yeah, you're probably right there, but uh, still, and she, 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 yeah, she was the star of it, but it wasn't seen very much. <clears throat> so, I like the way they uh, placed her out the window, and she looked really scared when they were doing it, because I'm sure it was a big drop on the other side, mm -hmm. and she actually looked really scared as an actor being thrown out the window like that. Yeah, I mean, they did was gentle, but. Right when they put her through with it, she looked like she was going to pee her pants. Mm. And somebody was probably grabbed her on the other end. But, okay, so she gets down. She starts running, right? And the Nazis are shooting at her. And then it looks like finally they shot her. And she fell. Because I ran it back and watched it three or four times. And it does look like they clipped her. But maybe it's just that she had to jump over something. Or, but or maybe anyway, she... Maybe she pretended to fall Maybe. like the character Maybe. pretended to fall to make them think that they caught her when yeah, it they, could have uh, been. yeah. i think there was a car waiting for i i saw just like a second it looked like a car in a distance mm. so somebody was going to take her out of there i didn't there. see that but that's um, that's good eye um yeah it was hard but i i, I maybe i imagined it but i don't think uh, you know. i bet it's so, really there Okay, well, there's a couple places we missed here. <laughs> and so, Mr. Uh, T, that's who I call him, because I can't remember his name. Todd Master or some goddamn thing. So, Mr. T tries to surrender, and then he's shot. Mr. T. You know, Mr. He's T. Mr. T, he pities the fool, then. <laughs> yeah, because he just like, well, I don't care if I'm considered a rat. I'm not going to die like one. Like, but there's another great line. You so didn't he, get that, did you? Because I said Mr. He, T. He jumps out, yeah, with a handkerchief, and they shot him. Right. Just like that. And that was about that was the end of him. And then the German cop wakes up, holds a gun on the passengers, and said, good luck with that, buddy. You only got one bullet in there. Can't get us all. So I don't know what happened to that. He just kind of gives up or something. But... um. Let's see, what else? And then, oh, yeah, they throw uh, Miss Froy out the window. She gets away. And then they, the next scene, they pull into the station. <clears throat> and I guess that's where you see Hitchcock with a cigarette. I, I actually did see him. It's 89 minutes in. You So you and, did see uh, him. Okay, good. Because I was going to yeah, ask you about that. Two, well, I, I heard somewhere they explained where you could see him. Two women are staring at him. They kind of broke the fourth wall. They shouldn't have been staring at him, but it was a giveaway. That was Hitchcock. And so two of the actors, they 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 shouldn't have done that, but they were staring at him. Yeah, and so, they probably anyway, did that by he, accident. He's in a spot that way. Um, and then, and then Miss, uh, what's her face? Iris sees her fiance, and he doesn't look like much. And then she runs back into the car and kisses Gilbert. And I guess that's the end of the story. It's a, they're going to go on their honeymoon. Oh, yeah. And they go to the foreign office, and he forgets the tune. Went out of his head because he's so in love with his 
new fiance. And then they hear the piano in the next room. You know, da, 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 da. That sort of thing. And then they yep. walk in there and it's Mrs. Freud. It's Mrs. Freud. And they all give a group hug. and Yeah, it's all kissy kissy. I think you forgot yeah. to mention they like, they end up mar- getting married now or something. They're going to get married. Uh, oh. The two, Gilbert and uh, fucking Iris, because she ran away from her husband. No, that's I just mentioned it before. I just talked about that. Okay, I I missed. He forgot the tune because he's so in love with his fiance. Well, they're not. He's not. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Because yeah, yeah, they they decided to get married. Talking about their honeymoon, and so he got distracted and he he went out of his head. I got distracted. Sorry. Um, So anyway, but anyway, so I thought that was a wonderful way to end it. mm -hmm. Uh, Nice surprise for everybody. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like that they ended up together. Honestly, um, I, oh, I I didn't buy it, you know, like because they really I mean, sure, they were on an adventure together, you know, but like I, I didn't buy that. Like she would fall in love with them like that day. Well, you know, a lot of things start out that way. Uh, the opposites attract. Look at uh, Clark. Uh, what's his name? I just mentioned his name. Clark the Gable. actor Clark Gable and his counterpart. You know, they started to argue the whole damn film, but they ended up loving each other. You know, a lot of people are, are kind of hostile to each other, but secretly they're attracted. Well, and, you know, like, look, look at, um, you know, Rebecca or whatever. They fell in love pretty freaking quick. You know, um, uh, all of Hitchcock, like a lot of Hitchcock's movies. And I, I sort of get that because, like, you just... Sometimes for a movie, you just don't have time to establish, you know, especially if the characters just meet for the first time, you don't have time to establish like a relationship over time, you know, like that. Um, so you got to have it make them get together. But it, it just it just doesn't feel real. It just feels like movie, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, they, they shouldn't have uh, been like planning a honeymoon and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I could have accepted the kiss, but not like, oh, we're getting married, you know. Yeah, right like, they I rushed mean, it. Yeah. So that's pretty stupid. By the way, no, the next else is stupid. I, this is my third fatal flaw to the movie. And you might not agree, agree with me, but let, just listen to me first. Um, now, um, the doctor, Dr. Hartz, I think his name was, when they get away, when they escape on the train, this was before the very end of the movie, uh, he looks after them because the nun jumps down and switches the tracks yes. and they get away from the Nazis and they shoot, they shoot her in the leg. And then the doctor goes, well, jolly good luck to them. He didn't seem upset at all. I thought... That's an odd reaction when they escaped. I mean, why would he wish them the best of luck? Well, I think I think maybe and 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 maybe he knew that he, they weren't going to get very far on the new tracks because the Nazis would come come after them. You know. Well, they didn't. They apparently didn't come after them. Or well, no, they, they did. Because remember, that's the um, Remember, they got away, and then then they stopped. At the tr- at the in the woods, but he was smiling when he said it. As like, like, I know, I, I just uh, 
preferred if he would have said, God damn fuck, you know, anything. Yeah. Son of a bitch. You know, but well, you can't curse but, in these movies. And uh, I know, well, well but I would, you know, I didn't mean actual words, but you want to get, you know, you know, suffering succotash. You know, they get away. Everything happens to me. And something like that, rather than, well, Charlie, good luck. Hmm. You know, it's like, that's a pretty stupid thing to say. I, I wouldn't know. have been like that. You, you know, probably, if gonna, somebody told you to say that, you would have nope. Yeah, I mean, he, that that's his worst enemy, and they got away. Yep. So, anyway, yeah. so that's my three big weaknesses, and you pointed some out, too. I, you know, um, and, and I don't really feel like that was a weakness, but I get what you're saying. I just, it didn't bother me at all. Like, I was just like, that just seems like something like, you know, once, uh, it's like, okay, so there's a, there's a, what, the, the original X-Men movie, right? The movie X-Men, right? Um, Joss yeah. Whedon wrote the one draft of it, right? And there's a great line in the movie that people don't understand because it was delivered wrong. You know, so in the movie, uh, Halle Berry plays the character of Storm, right? And the line is, um, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? And then the, you know, and then the person says no, and then they go, and then like, you know, the thing gets struck by, the toad gets struck by lightning. And then she says the same thing that happens to everything else. And her delivery is so awful. And so bad when she says that line that Joss Whedon explained it in an uh, interview saying what was his, because he wrote that line, the, be the, the way it should have been delivered, which would have been if Joss Whedon directed it, he is, is, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. That's a much better delivery and a much, a kind of a funnier line because wow. when, when something get, you know gets struck by lightning and then he goes, eh, same thing that happens to everything else. It's just sort of a funny, you know, kind of line as opposed to somebody over saying it and doing it wrong and being directed wrong, you know. And so yeah. maybe that's that's sort of what I would think is is like you know sort of the 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 train gets loose and and he's can't see them and it's like, well, good luck to them. You know, good luck. You know, because whatever. I, I you have you have now outfoiled me. I think that's how it was supposed to sort of be, you know, but well he didn't say it right. Maybe not. So he should have said it with you know, kind of in a bittersweet way rather than uh jolly good luck to them. It's like jolly what? Good luck to them. the way he like, said uh, it. Well, oh. jolly good luck to them. <laughs> I don't know. It's like jolly good to them, and then oh. spit. That that was the way I would have done it. Yeah, spit. Jolly good luck to them. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But no, they didn't. They they said it like a, you know, and maybe that was a mistake on Hitchcock's part. Yeah, they kept it in, but yeah, it's okay. It wasn't that big, but I just thought it, it didn't ruin it. the movie. Thank God. Um, no, the anyway. movie. I think the movie stands by itself, and uh... I think it's okay. I mean, it's a pretty decent movie. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not one. I, I, it's not one of Hitchcock's best, and I, I think it has a lot of issues that I feel like I'm sad that it, uh, 
like you know i'm just sad that it's i don't even know how to explain it like i just don't i don't want to see it all the time you know what i mean like i'm not running a rush to watch this movie again yeah i've seen it enough um, uh, but and I, this is one of the best loved of his british films no well I, I can see somebody. that so far out of his british films this is probably my favorite but his his American films are my favorite of everything. Yeah, so his British well, films. We can understand them anyway. Well, I can't it, understand their accents. This was one I of the last leave. ones too that he did for the British thing before he did Rebecca. So you know, one yeah. of the last ones. So I think he did maybe one or two more, and then he was then he moved on to to America and did stuff for um, Selznick, you know, and mm. uh, and everything. But Selznick wanted him. Early on, like Selznick wanted him before he left, you know, so he was he just had an, he had enough on his contract that he had to finish up before he did that. So he uh, so he did this movie as a thing. And I don't know. I don't know how he feels about it, if he loves it or if he did not love it. You know, um, I think we all sort of as people worked on films, we sort of look at things different than other people that watched them and uh, did, were not a part of the film, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I don't know if Hitch, because sometimes Hitchcock's like, I didn't like that movie that I worked on. And I'd be like, oh my God, that's one of your best, you know? <laughs> it's just, or one of my favorite. And then that may be one of your yeah. best, but one of my favorite. There's a dip, there's a big difference on that, but. I enjoyed this movie. I just, it's just one of those things that I saw that now I probably won't see it again for another, you know, five years maybe or something, you know, like if I'm, if I want to show somebody who's never seen this movie, the movie, then I, that's what I pick. But I wouldn't do it for Criterion watch. Let's just say that, you know, I, I, I don't want to watch this again anytime soon, you know, the 39 yeah. Steps is a better criterion. The Man Who Knew Too Much is a better criterion. Uh, and we haven't done that one yet. We haven't done The Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that the next one? Well, let's see. What did I put down for the next one? I've already got it listed here. Uh, so, The Lady Vanishes. Um... I think in April we're gonna be doing blackmail. Blackmail? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that's mm -hmm. nice. And I believe that might be the first talkie. Um let's see, blackmail Hitchcock. That doesn't sound right. It sounds like I'm blackmailing Hitchcock. But uh, let me see if that's his first talkie. Uh uh, I thought murder was the first talkie. No, I thought so too, but it's like the second. Um. Yep. Yeah, blackmail is frequently cited as the first British sound feature film. Um, huh. Yeah. Oh man, it's got a okay. great scene that I've seen over and over again. So I can't wait to to watch it once more, but. Let me see where we can watch it. Is it on Tubi? Because that that seems to always be the problem. It's like, where can we find these movies? 
you know, blackmail. Um, yes, I believe it's on Tubi. So, yes. Yep, it is on Tubi. You can watch it, you know, twice. Yeah. So you'll have to watch the commercials and stuff, but I think you did that with this one, right? What's that? You watched it on Tubi? Lady uh, no, I watched it on Plex, actually. That's, okay. It was free on about five different platforms. Okay. Well, I there tried you go. To it on Amazon, but it wouldn't accept it for some reason. I don't know. Well, so, so Blackmail is next, and it's going to be easier to find, I think. So there you go. Yeah. That'll be our 28th movie by really? Hitchcock. Yeah, we've, yeah. So we're more than halfway through. We started in uh 1921 no i mean 2021 sorry 1920 wow we we're old you know i know well i guess i am anyway but 20 that's three years now well you weren't it. even born in 1921 so no 1941 <laughs> no 49 actually um all right so um let's see here uh yeah, I guess that that would be right to to say because um I got to write down all the movies to make sure we haven't reviewed it cuz remember we had that problem before. I know blackmail we haven't done cuz I thought murder was the first talkie and it was not. It was the second talkie that he did. So we're going to watch the first one. Oh, this is uh okay, so I'm going to put that down second. No, no, no. Blackmail is the first and uh, murder is the second, yes. So Okay. Alright, well, thank you so much, Larry. This is fun. Um, yeah, thank you. Yes, um, I think if people are big fans of Hitchcock, this would be a movie that I would definitely suggest checking out, especially on Criterion, where it looks pretty. You know, it's a very pretty movie on Criterion. It really spruced it up and made it look good. Um, uh, blackmail is not on Criterion. I I don't know what if they're if they're gonna put any more out on Criterion or not, but maybe mm. because Hitchcock's a great director and has many 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 movies for you know if people especially older ones that are like more um public domain type stuff. No, I just domain. read somewhere that there's 53 surviving films, and the, the only one that is not surviving is uh, something about the eagle or something like that. Oh the yeah, um, I can't remember now, but I don't something something in the eagle or something like that. The eagle. Yeah, and it didn't survive. There's there's cuts. There's like little clips. But not the whole movie, and so they uh, they showed it on YouTube, just pictures, like little pictures from the movie. Oh, it's um, one of his like first ones. Photo, right? Photos, and not the mountain not, eagle. Mountain eagle, yeah. Uh, That's the only one that didn't survive. So I don't know why somebody's got it somewhere. You know that. Maybe, I mean, unless everybody's somebody always has something. All right. Yeah. Well, it says, yeah, 
YouTube, yeah, just has production stills. Doesn't have the um wow, there's there is a podcast, I'm gonna give them a shout out called Moronic Logic, which has the Mountain Eagle um uh it said episode two, the Mountain Eagle nineteen twenty six on presenting Alfred Hitchcock. Um yeah, well, they just talk about it, I guess. Their podcast yeah. just talking about the movie, um, and maybe like show like little clips or whatever of it. I don't know, like little stills, the stills and stuff. So anyway, so yeah, well, we're gonna do as many of them as we can. We've, uh, we're we're definitely gonna at some point we're gonna be going into the older older films and and that's going to be like one season i think season five by season five that's all we're going to be able to do is the, uh, the old uh -huh. movies because we're not gonna so we're going to try to get uh -huh. all the old uh newer movies done you know before uh -huh. then too but anyway uh yeah so this is uh what number six no number wait. one two three four Five, six, seven, eight. Yes, this is the eighth uh movie this no, seventh movie this year. Uh Blackmail will be eighth. So yeah, twenty-eight overall. Yep. So there you go. Everybody, hope you guys enjoyed this. Um we will have more coming. So we're really excited. Uh we'll should be back next week or next not next week, next month. Right? You're you're good for April. Yeah. Well, be like end of March when we record it. But yeah, we'll figure it yeah. out. We'll figure it out. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, we will be back next month for a brand new episode of Hooked on Hitchcock. Until then, everybody, have a good one. Tally ho! Ta ta!